We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye hitting you with a solo recap of an embarrassing Nets loss to the Sixers, 106-115. The Sixers, obviously without James Harden, Tyrese Maxey, and Joel Embiid in this one, and the Nets still could not find a way to win given they were essentially fully healthy only without Utah Watanabe and TJ Warren, Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, all healthy but not enough from the Nets defensively and effort-wise on the boards to win this game. We're going to jump with that in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But I guess just looking at this game, the biggest factor is effort. You know, and that was effort defensively. That was effort on the boards. That was effort offensively. You know, the Sixers came in and played with a level of physicality, and the Nets didn't match it. They kind of went into this game just thinking they could walk on the court and get the win. And a stat that Jack and I always typically look at, especially with losses like this, is field goal attempts. The Sixers had 99 field goal attempts. The Nets had 80. That's just putting yourself at a disadvantage. Not to mention the Sixers shot 50% from three, 16 to 32. And a lot of those looks were open, you know, maybe not wide open, but good looks for NBA players. And that just can't happen, especially for a team that didn't have a ton of shot makers. Yes, Tobias Harris played really well and the Nets kind of allowed that to happen. But for the most part, you know, this is a team that was missing their creators, missing their star players, and the Nets couldn't find a way to lock it in. And some of that goes to how the Nets played defensively in terms of their communication and their game plan. It seemed that they were never on the same page. And also they just were lackadaisical, you know, just not enough engagement, focus, and aggressiveness, you know, not enough tenacity on the end of the floor. And again, these guys are NBA players in the Sixers. You give them open shots, they're going to knock them down. You let them get, you know, good looks or get in the paint, they're going to knock it down. And it doesn't help when they grab 20 offensive boards and that's without Joel Embiid. You know, that's with Paul Reed and Montrez Harrell, you know, playing all the center minutes. And those guys, you know, maybe solid backup centers, but not guys that should be dominating you. You know, Paul Reed, five offensive rebounds, Montrez Harrell, six offensive rebounds. The Nets at its a team had four offensive rebounds. And that's just that's not going to cut it, and especially in a matchup like this where really one of the main factors is effort and taking care of business. You know, you played good enough defensively to grab all these boards because the Sixers from the field shot 43% from the field and they shot 50% from three. So if you take care of business 
and grab those defensive boards, you know, this is a game the Nets probably win. You know, they play better defensively, not even by a large margin, you know, just improve their perimeter defense and contest the threes and make the Sixers work. This is probably a double-digit win, and that's not even touching on the Nets offense. You know, the Nets offense was rough out there, and some of that was the Sixers just being more physical, the Nets not getting to their sets or going away what was working because there was times where it felt like they were getting easy layups and dunks for Ben Simmons, Nick Claxton, left and right. Instead, you know, settled for threes and guys were horrendous from three. You know, nine of 28, including a lot of your best three-point shooters shooting horrendous from the field. And that's Joe Harris, one of seven from three. Essentially, six of those seven looks were wide open looks. One of those looks was a late... Uh, late in the third quarter uh, as the buzzer went off. But the rest of those looks are shots that you expect him to hit. And if he's not hitting, you know, 50%, you're at least expecting 40%. You're expecting him to go, you know, two of seven, three of seven, but one of seven for a guy whose main job is to knock down threes for this team to shoot that way is bad. And he did get 23 minutes and he was also horrendous defensively some of that's on him some of that's just him being at a disadvantage in the team not adjusting to put him in a more advantage type situation you know Tobias Harris just essentially went at him possession after possession after possession and either got a bucket or got a bucket for somebody else and then later in the game you saw Shake Milton just feel confident attacking him getting to his spots in the paint in the elbow area and knocking down jumpers And obviously, you know, Joe has dealt with injury and it's not been a smooth transition coming back in terms of his three-point shot. But I think as a coach in Jacques Vaughn, he's getting cooked that way and he's not giving you anything offensively. You have to look somewhere else. And, you know, some of that, you know, Utah Watanabe being out did not help. But again, the Sixers are missing three essential star level players. The Nets could not find a way to win. And then you move over to another great three-point shooter on the team, two of six for Seth Curry. You know, Seth wasn't as bad as Joe Harris found a way to contribute in the two-point area, was overall 5 of 12 from the field and scored 14 points, but also not great defensively. And then you look at another guy you're looking for three-point shooting, Patty Mills, one of three from three. Again, a lot of these guys are getting open to wide open looks. And then moving down the line, we have Kyrie Irving, two of eight from three. You know, and again, some of his threes were a little bit more contested, but that was by his decision making rather than the team kind of setting him up for that. So a team that is so talented from three going nine of 28 on majority of good looks is always going to make it difficult, especially when you play horrendously defensively and don't collect defensive boards. So just those three areas initially just stick out as the main factors of as of why the Nets lost this game and obviously they all you know the first two really you know dig into effort and focus and that's what they were missing and that's something we've seen from this team and matchups where the opposing team is missing a star player you know they kind of you know lay back in their seat they kind of just kick back and see what happens rather than go at it from the rip and try to force one of these blowout wins you know the same thing essentially happens the lakers you know not quite as bad in that game and anthony davis played and he was a superstar level but this game is just one of those losses that really makes you question you know what this team can be without some type of larger move in terms of a, a trade or also just some type of a level of engagement, someone who's going to want the court and really call everybody out. We've seen that kind of step up across the board over the last couple of games, but still not enough. This is a game that you need to find a way to win. And the Sixers ahead of the Nets in the standings, you know, it was, I think, one game, at the, a half a game maybe before tonight, and now probably a game and a half. And yes, it's November 22nd, but 
every game matters. When you start just saying, hey, we can lose here, we can win there, the Nets aren't 500. You know, they're not 500. They have a losing record right now. They need to get as many wins as they can and put something together to build momentum for a potential postseason run or just, you know, make the playoffs rather than make the play-in. So really not happy with this performance across the board. We're going to jump into the rest of the players and the coaching staff as well. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think looking at Jacques Vaughn, this was also probably not one of his best games, maybe one of his worst games as a head coach, consistently going to three-guard lineups, including a lineup that played, you know, Patty Mills, Kyrie Irving, and Seth Curry. That's just not big enough. You know, that's not big enough against any team. Maybe if you're in some garbage time or you're up 20, you can kind of throw it out there. You could try to some burn some minutes. But we saw that lineup in the fourth quarter in the second half of this game. And those type of decisions put you at such a large disadvantage when you're already losing the rebounding department. You're already playing poorly defensively, putting in three essentially bad defenders and obviously poor rebounders is not going to help your cause when you're trying to make a comeback in this game. So Jock, not great there. I thought also no adjustment in terms of Tobias Harris or the game plan in which the Sixers are running. As we mentioned earlier, a lot of soft switching and a lot of miscommunication where guys are like, oh, I thought we were switching. And then Tobias Harris gets a wide open three or Milton gets a wide open three, you know, just not locked in. You know, there is just no level of tenacity. And that's what's annoying with this team. You know, you see them play so well, you know, the win against Portland and, you know, things like that. And then you have a game like this and a game against Sacramento and it just do these guys, you know, you know, know what they're doing? What are they doing at practice? Like, what, what is happening with the team on the court when you see them play at such a high level, and then next thing you know, they're playing at such a poor level? So, really perplexing, to be honest, uh, with the the performance of this team from a nightly basis, uh, a daily basis, to what to expect. But I guess jumping into Ben Simmons, obviously his return to Philadelphia. Ben arguably was the best net tonight. You know, 11 points, 4 or 7 from the field, 3 or 6 in the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 11 assists, 3 steals, 3 blocks, 3 turnovers. You know, 
The only thing you could maybe argue for Ben is you would have liked to see more drives and attacks of the rim, given it was Paul Reed and Montrezl Harrell in there, and there was probably more opportunities for him to go up and you know go for a layup or get to the free throw line. But overall, you saw his tenacity, you saw his energy, you saw some excellent passing from him in this game. You know, be it a backdoor cut to Kevin Durant or finding a three point shooter that ended up missing the shot. And defensively, you saw him you know have some highlight possessions. You know, I think it was a lockdown on Milton that forced a turnover. Then the slap pass to Kevin Durant for a dunk in transition, and then the, just the hustle play on some of these blocks. Like Ben was good. Ben was good, and Ben was probably one of the only guys you could say was good enough to get a win. You know, Nick Claxton moving over to him, twelve points, six to seven from the field, four rebounds, three blocks, zero turnovers. Clax wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't greatly impactful. Obviously, the Nets got cooked on the boards, and he didn't have one offensive board in this game. I think some of that was the game plan of the Sixers, knowing the Nets would switch. Pulled him out to the perimeter a lot, took him away from the rim, took him away you know, from rim protection and also helping on the boards and and did a better job of kind of locking him down and putting a body on him in that second half. So Clack's not a bad game, you know, good enough to get a win, but not not anything crazy. Moving over to Royce O'Neal, uh, played 39 minutes, 11 points, was 4-4, 3-3 four, four, three three from 3, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 blocks, did have 5 turnovers, and I thought defensively, very poor game from him, not only on ball defense, but he was one of the culprits that was overhelping. But he would overhelp in a way where he was essentially doing nothing. You know, he was he's not providing enough pressure on the ball, and he's far too far away from his man to close out for a three-point shooter. And that was a consistent theme and one of the reasons, as I mentioned earlier, that the Sixers got a win. And that was not just Royce, but he just stuck out a little bit more because you're used to him at least being solid defensively. Moving over to Kevin Durant. Very strange game for KD. His uh, streak of at least 25 points a game has ended. You know, at this point in the season, he's only finished with 20 points tonight. Nine of 14 from the field, two of two from the free throw line, five rebounds, five assists, two blocks, three turnovers. You know, KD just kind of faded out of the game, and he started this one. I think eight of 10 looked good, was knocking down every single jumper. You know, I th- it almost felt like he didn't feel like dealing with the annoyance of P.J. Tucker and the physicality and the double teams that Philadelphia was throwing at him. And, you know, you would have liked to see him turn up a little bit more. Defensively, he was another guy that was kind of, you know, out of sync with the defense as a whole. The entire team defense just was not on the same page. And, you know, KD had miscommunications on switches. Some of his on-ball defense wasn't great, you know, letting guys get to the rim, get into the paint. Probably one of his worst games of the season, if not his worst game of the season. Moving over to Kyrie Irving, his second game back. Uh, 23 points, 10 of 18 from the field, 2 of 8 from 3, 1 of 1 from the free throw line. 2 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 2 turnovers. I think the thing that sticks out with Kyrie, we talked about... Uh, Royce overhelping and Kyrie is a culprit of overhelping in a way and trying to make a play, trying to get a steal, trying to get a block instead of just playing his role. And the Nets were consistently punished when he did that tonight. And that's been an issue for him over the course of the last couple seasons of not playing his role defensively and just playing great on ball defense and sticking to your man. And too many times in this game, he tried to go for that steal and led to a wide open three for the Sixers. Offensively, you saw him kind of find more of a rhythm in that second half, get a little bit more aggressive. 
but him as well. There was just plays, there was just stretches where he was not involved or just kind of dribbling the ball, passing it off, and not making plays, not playing with any level of determination. And I think that's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. This is, you know, there it wasn't the Chicago Bulls game, but there was points where there were stretches that felt like that, where he just was maybe a little disinterested and not super locked in. And I saw people saying this is Jacques Vaughn's offense. No, this is Kyrie Irving. He's getting a dribble handoff, and instead of you know driving into the paint, he's kicking it to the perimeter to a guy who's covered, not open for a three or anything like that. So you want to see him pick it up. Obviously, two games back, maybe a little conditioning will help him and just getting a better feel. But overall, not a great performance for you know KD and Kyrie. Uh, Seth Curry, we already touched on him. You know, was able to knock down some two-point shots. Three-point shot was off defensively. Always is going to kind of be undersized. But also another guy in this game that had stretches where he just overhelped or did things that were not part of the defensive game plan. And when you have multiple guys doing that, you're just going to get cooked. You know, you could be playing the worst team in the league. You'd be playing the best team in the league when you're just not sticking to any semblance of a defensive game plan and any level of team defense. You just really don't have a shot to win, you know, at least a shot to stop the other team unless you're just scorching offensively, which the Nets can get away with sometimes because of the talent they have. But tonight they couldn't because, as I mentioned before, they were pitiful from three and offensively just settled a lot in this game. But I guess going through the stretch and going through the lineup and the rest of the guys that really played, Marquise Morris played a little bit in the first half, not enough to really talk about. Everyone else was just kind of garbage time minutes. And you look at this roster, and yeah, there's definitely concern. Clax being the only center, no stretch five. And as I mentioned, Utah being out, you don't really have a wing to swap into a spot. But the Sixers are missing three stars, as I've talked about. You know, the the Sixers played a lot of guys that were, you know, are rotation players in the NBA, but not even starting level NBA players. And the Nets lost this game by double digits. You know, you, you get to the drawing board and you ask yourself, like, do you want to go fully in with this team? You know, is this just a hiccup or is this kind of a trend that we're seeing? As I mentioned, they remind, you know, you have the Kings game, you have this game, see how they bounce back against Toronto, who's missing, you know, I believe Pascal Siakam, potentially Scotty Barnes tomorrow. So another opportunity to, you know, face a team that's down, you know, some very, very good players. And you just don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. You know, you could see this team beat, you know, one of the best teams in the league on a, on a Wednesday and then that same Friday, they might lose to one of the worst teams in the league. It's just there's no level of consistency, and yes, it's a new team, but I think the one thing, the consistency is not really related to the overall play. It's more so related to the effort and engagement, and that's just just hasn't been consistent enough, and guys just have to be better. You know, we talked about it. Uh, Kevin Durant wasn't great in this game. Kyrie Irving was not great in this game. Royce O'Neal defensively was not great in this game. Seth Curry and Joe Harris not knocking down threes. Patty Mills not knocking down threes. You know, some of these guys are asked to step up a little bit more when, you know, players are out or giving these open shots or defenses are focusing on the stars and trying to force the ball out. And if you can't do that, you know, that's that's where it becomes a real issue. And again, this is one game in an 82-game season and, you know, we can take some things from it. We can mark it as a hiccup, but it's important to note everything that's happened and see if it becomes, you know, more of a reoccurring trend rather than just one pitiful performance. But overall, you know, hopefully we can toss this one away and move on to Toronto and the Nets can take care of business and get a blowout win. As always, big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. 
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.